When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dan from Desert Island X. Our guest this episode is journalist and writer Stuart Heritage, and it was recorded about seven or eight weeks ago at the very start of lockdown. I have no idea why we waited that long to get it out, and I only mention it because you can tell we're still talking about the whole thing like it's a fairly recent occurrence, which it was at the time. Anyway, Stuart is great, so I hope you enjoy this, and please do like and subscribe, or leave us a review if you can, because it really helps us out. And now, here's Desert Island Dicks with Stuart Heritage. Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to you. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is writer and journalist Stuart Heritage. Hello. 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 How are you? I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm good. We're doing this over Zoom because of the the way things are now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's weird. It is strange, isn't it? I've been doing a few of these and I feel like there's just sort of strangers across the world now just seeing into my bedroom. Isn't it? It feels really... I feel very vulnerable at having people know what's behind me for some reason. It's, yeah. it's, I don't like it. Yeah. I like meeting in neutral places. Yeah, and I find that um, there'll be times I'm on a sort of a work meeting or something like that and uh, it just... It, I feel like my safety catches off a little bit because I'm mm. in my own house and I end up saying things that I really shouldn't be saying at work. <laughs> work <laughs> because I'm in my own environment it gives me that sort of freedom I think the thing I can't get my head around at the moment is when you see like the news and the news readers that are at their own home just telling the news from like their living room it's I don't like that very much there's no authority I know it would be weird if you're a newsreader and suddenly you're like oh god I have to tidy up and how do I make my house look <laughs> newsworthy yeah. yeah if you've got like shit books behind you or something yeah, or you could be quite a conservative newsreader but have quite outlandish taste in interior design or something. <laughs> We're all going to learn a lot about each other over the next few weeks, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Stuart, how did you find the process of uh, picking your, your dicks for the island today? Very easy, like too easy probably. It was it was more of a case of whittling down right. than, than having to think. Good. There was every every slot had maybe four or five choices battling it out <laughs> so hopefully this is like the the creme de la dick <laughs> and um i feel that well we're all sort of in confinement and we're sort of testing each other's patience i mean this is probably quite a cathartic exercise for some people to sort of just have a, a rant for a little while and as well there's kind of there's a safety to it as well because no one's i'm not going to bump into any oh actually no all right i might bump into some of them but like for the most part <laughs> Like, there's always a chance. I'm terrified any time I go anywhere because I'm kind of... My job is I'm nasty about people on television. <laughs> and I'm terrified any time I go out, I'm going to bump into one of them and they're going to have something memorised that I've written. <laughs> I suppose it depends on the shows, doesn't it? I think with, like... with I mean, if it's sort of Love Island, you can guarantee they're probably not reading The Guardian or something. So that's probably a bit of a safety valve. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think anyone's been quoted me. Anyone that... Something I've written about them yet. 
I hope it never happens. It's, it's, I, I, can't, I wouldn't be able to cope with it at all. OK, uh, well, Stuart, who's going to be your first choice for the island? My first choice, I think this is a very solid choice. Um, it's Alan Sugar. Nice. Yes. Okay. Is he Lord now, or yeah, or, or, or Sir? What's it? Lord, Lord I Sugar, refuse. I refuse to call him Lord Sugar. Yeah. Lord Sugar is a status. I don't think anyone. If you are a Lord, a, t- a very telling thing that you can do is just say no. You can call me Alan. That's fine. If you go around making people call you Lord, yeah, like you're fucking Darth Vader or something. <laughs> don't. That, it's horrible. He's even changed his Twitter name to it. It's Lord underscore Sugar, for fuck's sake. Lord shouldn't be on Twitter. It should be a level playing field. If no, you're on Twitter, you no. don't get to use Lord. No, you should be. You should literally have a live in a castle, everything by candlelight, move around <laughs> on a horse. If you're gonna, if you want to call yourself a lord, you have to like be an old school feudal lord. Yeah, I agree. I think, and also something about his surname being Sugar is Lord Sugar sounds a bit like it's almost like the Chief Sugar Daddy <laughs> or something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's like he's he's the Lord of uh, of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Like like Lord Business in the Lego movies. But, he's Lord of all like ev- everything that's bad for your teeth. He's the Lord of that. Yeah, Lord Sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and what is it in particular then uh, that really grinds your gears about? Well, I mean, uh, primarily it's his participation in The Apprentice, which is the the very very worst television program of all time. Yeah, I hate The Apprentice. I hate The Apprentice so much. I've written. It was pointed out to me uh, uh, recently that uh, for the last five or six years, I've write exactly the same piece, which is why is The Apprentice still on? It should just die. <laughs> and it's exactly the same. pretty much. I'm sure lots of it's word for word. I just hate the hate The Apprentice. Um, and you know, it's uh, he's by far not the worst person it has produced because of Donald Trump and Katie Hopkins and people like that. But he is nevertheless just to just to continue being a part of a program that promotes the, the worst excesses of sort of humanity it drives it drives me mad yeah because there's very much that sort of underlying thing of to to be good at business you have to have no morals and be a real dick like that's yeah that's what it is in business you've got to do this or you know my way or the highway there's no there's never a sense of like negotiation or compromise which i'm sure is quite a big part of business at times yeah and just being not, I'm sure if you're that much of a dick the whole time, there's just people around you won't want to work with you. Yeah. But he's, the, I remember watching one early on uh, and it was someone had messed up and they were in the boardroom and it was basically, it was the guy who was chucked out was who, whoever like shat on the other person the least. Yeah. And it was, it was like, it, you, can't, you can't ever, ever, ever admit to a fault that you've done. Because that's that's suicide on the apprentice. You can't say no. All right, hands up. I that was a mistake. But you know we've learned from it. And yeah, as soon as you say I accidentally charged three pence more for this whatever upcycled bullshit they've made me sell at Shoreditch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was def- and none of none of the. Sorry, I'm interrupting. <laughs> no, no, go for it. None of the tasks are, are, have anything to do with anything. Like you can't go and sell sweets at a market. And then become, you know, Steve Jobs or something. And you, uh, towards the end of a day, if you if you haven't sold enough sweets, you don't go round running to all the shops near you trying to sell as, as many sweets as you can for five p just to get them off your. That isn't how business works. And as soon as you start doing the maths on the Apprentice, like you've got a team of at the beginning eight people, 
all I'm gonna stick with this selling sweets thing. <laughs> selling sweets at a market to just dumb tourists. And they might say, you know, you've made three hundred pounds over the course of a day, split that between eight people. That's <laughs> incredibly shit. That's just such shit business. I did worse than that. I did work experience. And I, I was more successful than that when I was at school. I get the feeling, though, that all these kind of trivial things are just so that Alan gets a chance to sort of say, well, that's how I started, selling yeah. sweets on the street because I'm Lord yeah. Sweetie Pie. And, you know, just you <laughs> have... I had a wheelbarrow full of tat that I just sold to idiots. Yeah, you just oh. have to, like, shoehorn in something demeaning for the contestants to do. So Alan can give a point about how he's a self-made man. Yeah, and the beginning, at the beginning of the Apprentice, I hate as well when like they his assistant phones him off at four o'clock in the morning and they've said like you've got four seconds to get to the Outer Hebrides and they get there and they say he, like he turns up on a video yeah. he doesn't even get there himself and he says oh today's challenge you're in the Outer Hebrides which is near some sea today you've got to sell a cat because that begins with the letter C <laughs> it doesn't make just. It's like three, two, one. Do you remember three, two, one? Yeah. It was just a very cryptic game. It reminds me of that. So I don't like that. And also, like you said, his Twitter feed has just uh, destroyed any sort of sort of credibility that he's got as a human being. He's just an angry man who tells, like he's stupid actually. <laughs> there was he tweeted like three days ago. Someone. Uh, did a, a video of lions in the street and and said, "Look, they're put, in this city. They're putting lions in the street to keep people indoors." And he tweeted, "Is this a wind up?" <laughs> like, like, oh, don't. How did how did you sell things, you hedgehog looking idiot? Yeah, it's it's one of those things like Donald Trump as well, isn't it? Like, you don't seem that bright, and you haven't made that much money versus you know how much you potentially could have but maybe it's just the personality around you is such that people are, are willing to go along with you for a while or something like that like you've been allowed to become this awful person just because you're a name now and that's it yeah yeah there was a great story um i read before the very first series of the apprentice which was that he on his wedding anniversary he wrote a card to his wife and on it he'd write like best regards alan sugar <laughs> I can absolutely believe that. Yeah. It's a mark of his closeness that he actually dropped the Lord for his wife, but still <laughs> regards Alan Sugar. <laughs> Only five people get to call me Alan these days. One of them's Piers Morgan. <laughs> yeah, he does seem awful. And and to be on a desert island with him as well, I mean, he wouldn't get stuck in, but he'd just he'd just rate all your efforts throughout the day. He'd just see it as a new level of The Apprentice. He'd only be able to see you in terms of The Apprentice game show. Yeah, which I'm fine with because, I mean, I could, I could whatever, collect coconuts and sell them to crabs. I don't really. Is that is that how it would work? <laughs> you're you're the owner of this island. Is that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you've got to make it your own, really. I mean, uh, I just think you know you're all scrabbling to survive, and he's just going to be sitting there. You know, he's too old to actually contribute, but that's not going to stop him from judging your efforts, is it? I think. <laughs> He'd be sitting in his. I, I believe he wears a lot of lycra in his downtime. I think he's a keen cyclist <laughs> who just lives in Florida and wears lycra. Yeah. Yeah. I always remember at the beginning of The Apprentice, he used to say something like, I don't want any steady eddies or cautious carols or something like that. Like, 
cautious, <laughs> cautious carols isn't isn't a phrase. You know, you can't just like alliterate and hope that like everyone you you fool the British public into thinking that's a real sentence. Yeah, I used to really enjoy the beginning. There was that. I think it might be the first one. Where it's like I don't like bullshitters. I don't like. <laughs> and he just listed like traits of of himself. I think. Yeah. I think that if he was confronted with himself in the boardroom of The Apprentice, his brain would explode and he'd die. Yeah, he wouldn't do well, would he? He's yeah, he's very much he has to be the only one of him in a room and then it's okay, but I mean, yeah, it's just sort of awful alpha male kind of syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's what it is. It's it's just it's that, that whole kind of uh kill or be killed ethos. Yeah. Which is like no everyone could just be nice and have a bit of everything and be very happy you don't have to so oh and do you remember that thing that he he fucking sold on the advent of emails the emailer phone oh that sort of amstrad was it amstrad or a thing with a screen on it the phone with a screen it was yeah it was it was a tiny tiny screen smaller than a phone and it had a little tiny keyboard and his his whole business model was you can send emails for 20p a go <laughs> <laughs> he really yeah I, I i think that's one of the stupidest mach- machines ever made but that's that's the thing about alan sugar when you list his successes it's things like amstrad which doesn't exist anymore as far as i know yeah. something to do with spurs football club like i don't know how he got so rich i bet he wasn't that rich but he was the only person who agreed to to go on the apprentice yeah and now he's made a lot more money from just being on The Apprentice. Yeah, there is no way on earth he was the first person on the list. I bet they tried Branson first. Yeah. I bet they tried lots and lots of people. And they in the end, they were like, oh, the Spurs guy. Yeah, he's a nasty curmudgeonly arsehole. He'll be good on this. Won't he? <laughs> <laughs> and then because he's associated yeah. with business, then the government gives him a peerage. Yeah, that's when it all went wrong, I think. Well, I think, was he Alan Sugar at the mm. beginning? And then he got knighted. And he made everyone call him Sir Alan, and now it's Lord Sugar, possibly. I wonder what's next. What's higher than Lord? A king? I don't know. Can they make King Sugar? Is that how we're going <laughs> to... King Alan. It's all, it's all locked down forever, and and our monarchy and reality TV just merges until we just sit in our houses forever, bowing down to King Alan. <laughs> the one, one of the good things about the lockdown is they cannot make The Apprentice. Unless they're like, he's doing like we are now on Zoom, and he's like, go on. Make an origami thing out of some toilet roll. Do it. <laughs> and then he... Yeah. There's no, there's no way of doing it. Yeah, it becomes very craft-based. That's nice. I think the BBC thinks that The Apprentice is a liability as well because um, they keep sort of shoving it around the schedules. Anytime there's an election, they can't because he's a peer. Uh, That's technically... That counts as sort of political... Um, uh, um, I can't think of the word. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's there's a sort of a slight bias to it. Right. So they can't... They have to shove it around and... I don't, and I don't think anyone's excited about it, and no one would miss him if he was gone. <laughs> okay. Well, I think you made a very good case for uh, Alan Sugar going on the island. Stuart, who's going to be your second choice? Um, my second choice isn't a person, but uh, nevertheless should be brought into the world of the tangible and then destroyed. It's Bing. Bing Bunny. Oh, I'm so glad you picked this guy. Oh, I hate Bing so much. <laughs> So, for for listeners who don't have young... You have a three-year-old, right? I've got a three-year-old, yeah. I try and not let him watch Bing as much as possible. Um, <laughs> but, Stuart, for those listeners who don't have toddlers in the house, uh, explain Bing. Bing is a, is a CBB show about a rabbit, and um, he is, he's just a bad, 
bad person. He breaks things, he steals things, he kills things. He actually murdered a butterfly in one of the episodes. And then he kind of, he gets this weird victim complex about it and his helper, who's this sort of stuffed, possibly alien, I'm not sure, has to sort of talk him down from the ledge every single episode. It's such a weird... (laughs) I don't I don't know what the point of it is, but it's very successful and nobody I know enjoys it. No, it's it's the scourge of parents yeah. everywhere, isn't it? Because I, I I suppose what they set out to do is try and kind of have everyday emotional situations for toddlers where you, you know you accidentally break something or you're worried about getting into trouble or you Yeah poo in your pants or something and then the adult kind of says, Don't worry, we'll fix it. It's okay. But he doesn't really learn from it. Like sometimes he will just break something and they go, well, that's all right. And sometimes it's not all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think children, and I don't want to sound like a, <laughs> like a very terrible parent, but children should be aware of the consequences of their actions. They can't just have a, like a, a parental figure come in and be like, oh, it's fine. Yeah. Mistakes happen. Sometimes you can be like, no, you killed a butterfly. Yeah. Look at it. That will never come back to life. That will never come back to life. That butterfly has a family and that family will go on, struggle through the rest of its life, miserable. And they won't even know what happened to it. They're butterflies, for God's sake. It'll just be a, like an, a weird absence that they'll never be able to reconcile. And you did that, Bing. You did that. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's. Uh, I would love to see Bing get a proper dressing down and really be faced with the mortality of a crushed butterfly. <laughs> He has a very sort of whiny voice as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Very, even when he sounds happy, it sounds like he's complaining. He's like, I went to the park today and I got a balloon. Is that, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> well, oh, I hate him so much. I hate him so much. It's uh, There's, there's a, a colleague of mine um, and we were talking about kids shows that we like. And he was like, oh, yeah, bing, love it. And... I've never been able to let that go. What? In my head. I, I have judged him silently for the last couple of years, ever since he said Bing. I was just like, are you are you high? What the hell is wrong that's, with you? That's someone who doesn't spend time with their children and will suddenly drift through a room while Bing's on and be like, that looks like a colourful television programme. I'll just say Bing. That's an easy word that I can remember. <laughs> yeah, he, your, your friend is not a participant in his children's life. I guarantee it. <laughs> there are so many better shows to watch. And it's... I think, I think, I think, because I, I, I know people who have tried, I, they don't like it, but they've tried to defend it to me. And they say that, uh, is it flop? The, the, yeah. Yeah, that's like the weird sack thing that looks after him. That he's Yeah, flop is the parental sack. <laughs> he's just a sack. Voiced by Mark Rylance, the greatest actor. It's like having Daniel Day-Lewis play, play Bing's friend. It doesn't make any sense. Um, <laughs> And he'll just come in and be like, oh, it's okay. And people, the people who've defended it to me have said that he is uh, like the um, gold standard of gentle parenting. Right. There's a, there's a parental technique called gentle parenting where nothing's ever a problem and everything, you know, it's fine. Things happen. We can get over it. Um, but no, he. I would like one episode for when Bing does something, when he breaks something or kills something or hurts one of his friends or mm. whatever he does this fucking monster <laughs> just for the camera to zoom inside a flop's eye and just to see the life he had before he had to look after Bing where he was happy <laughs> and he had friends and he could do things because he it's it's a bit like he has PTSD he just he he shows no emotion he's just shut down yeah and he's just like oh another thing another thing I have to deal with thanks Bing <laughs> or an episode where Bing goes to bed and and 
Flop goes and just shoots up a load of heroin or something because there must be there must be something that keeps him. He's a, he's dead inside. I like to think he didn't used to be an old sack. He did actually used to just be a normal human being, but sort of looking after Bing for so long, he's become sort of desiccated and just now looks like a bag with a belt around it. Yeah, it's just one day he woke up and looked at his hand and it was a bit textured and he thought, oh, that's weird, and then just gradually. All his human functions yeah. were replaced. Which is a bit like being a parent anyway. Yeah, at first I was concerned and I thought, oh, just go with it. <laughs> uh, I don't want to be a sort of, uh, you know, sound like a kind of grammar Nazi, but he doesn't even speak properly. So it's like, he's supposed to be an educational programme, but he's always his past tenses are all over the place. So he's always like, yeah. I broke it and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And you think, well, if you're going to try and teach kids at least have the language you know uniform so that mm. they can actually learn rather than going i broke it and i did a cry and i don't know it just it's all wrong yeah i broke the butterfly or mm. I, I deaded it or something he doesn't say killed because that would be mm. two on the nose yeah and then at the end he has to he has to perform a summary of like everything he did wrong and why it's better and then flop bottles on and he always says it's a bing thing like yeah shoplifting it's a bing thing yeah and and it's always a very uh universal human trait isn't it mm. yeah washing your hands during lockdown it's a bing thing it's like no we're kind of all in the same boat here <laughs> no the yeah the hubris yeah of claiming just feelings of sadness as your own it's not a bing thing it's an everyone thing you monster <laughs> And yeah, on the island, him and Alan Sugar. I mean, you couldn't get sort of bigger extremes. Of, uh... I nearly shot drink out of my nose. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually. That's that's a hell that deserves to be a. If Flop was replaced by Alan Sugar, and Alan Sugar had to look after just a sort of a slightly errant child. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see that. Yeah. Okay. Well, Bingo's on the island. I'm very happy to see him on there. I mean, I'm sorry that you have to deal with him there, but uh, it's fine. Stuart, who's going to be your third choice today? Uh, my third. Well, I feel slightly bad about this now. It seemed like a really good idea at the time. Um, um, it's my family. It's my immediate family. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, uh, it's very, very context dependent. I've just come out of uh, uh, a 14-day full-on don't leave the house lockdown don't go shopping don't do anything wow so it's been it's been the four of us on top of each other and um uh yeah wow it's been it's been a lot it's you learn a lot about uh, people by never leaving their side for 14 days non-stop 14 days and you've got two children as well two children yeah and i love them i should point out i do love them i love them more than anything they're my three favorite people in in the whole wide world that's i think more a statement about the lockdown <laughs> that they that it's made me feel like this about the people i love most in the world but oh my god a, a five-year-old who and it, it feels like they i've just i've just hit it at the wrong stage because the five-year-old is questions constant questions and yeah. uh, a sonic the hedgehog obsession <laughs> And the two-year-old has just uh, hit the stage where he likes to say that everything is his. So they are just destined to clash constantly. Um, And the way we're working at the moment is... Because my wife has pretty much the same job as me. So I work from six o'clock in the morning until midday. She works from midday until six o'clock. So we have six hours of just firefighting constantly. Just being like, don't touch that. Don't climb up that. Please don't do that. Stop interrupting me. Don't, we and yeah, uh, trying to put a sort of a, a, a school 
schedule into that into that oh. it's oh it's blow it's i love them i love them so much but i i want this uh, outbreak to be over as soon as possible so i can make other people look after them again <laughs> no i think that's very fair i mean i've said this before on this podcast that i think for a lot of parents the idea of being shipped off to a desert island doesn't sound that bad at first <laughs> you know there's you could last maybe a week and just go well it's like a nice holiday this is all right a bit rough around the edges but you know it's okay yeah yeah and I, I, I completely uh, uh, misread the whole premise of this because I've only just discovered that now I have to go onto this desert island with the very people that I want to banish. <laughs> so I've, I've accomplished nothing here. Well, I mean, you know, it's the worst people you could be stuck with. So, and, and, you know, after this much lockdown, then having to sort of do basically the same lockdown, but with also with Bing and Alan Sugar. Yeah. I mean, that's only going to make it worse, isn't it, really? You're right. You're right. But yeah, that's fine. I yeah I feel like I, it's probably me. This is probably a reflection of me that I I want my family to to be banished to the island. Um, it would. My wife has responded very weirdly to the outbreak. She's she's suddenly wants to uh, completely reorganise our house. Right. So nothing is where it is, <laughs> and that in itself is, is <laughs> driving me bonkers. Like multiple times a day, I'll have to go upstairs to where she's working and be like, where where are the bananas? Where where the onions were here yesterday? Where are they? And oh. Uh, <laughs> Oh God, I work from home. That's the thing. I work from home as a, as as a as a like a matter of course. This is really lockdown. It just means I don't have to do the school run. Everything else is completely identical. <laughs> um, but still, it's getting to me. I don't. Oh yeah. I wonder with the, your wife reorganising the house, maybe it's one of those things she's read online where it's kind of how to keep your, your family's brains ticking during the lockdown, sort of hide normal things around oh, in different places. Like, you know, like you'd keep a cat occupied by sort of moving toys around so that they, <laughs> they continue to learn and develop. <laughs> maybe she's doing that for you. We had a very old dog once. Yeah. And we used to do that. And yeah, they they learn quickly. <laughs> uh, maybe that's it. Maybe maybe she's just enforcing like uh, brain training on me. Yeah. That's fine. My cognitive... Yeah, maybe... May, yeah, okay, fine. I'll cut her a break. Just the children. Or it's a very mild sort of version of a Saw-style thriller or something. But it, <laughs> instead of sort of like games of life and death, you're just sort of confusing your husband. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, your shoes were here yesterday, but now because you did something bad three years in the past, there at the top of the stairs. <laughs> well, I think I, I feel your pain. I think um, it's something that you know, in in uh, normal times, you know, you might be judged more strongly on. But I think during these uh, these strange uh, times we're living through, it, I mean, I think everyone's struggling a bit. I notice on WhatsApp groups I'm on with my friends, everyone's just drinking earlier and earlier in the day. Oh, really? I used to have a rule about trying not to drink from Monday to Friday. I mean, that's gone so far out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I saw on Instagram uh, someone put up a like a bingo card from from a lockdown bingo card, and it was just like you had to tick off all the things you'd done. And one of them was like drink a nice cocktail, and one of them was read that book you've never read, and one of them was you know just learn a language. I was just like fuck you, yeah. How dare you have more free time than me? Yeah, exactly. I I see some people complaining and they don't have kids, and I just think. I wouldn't if it was just me and a flatmate locked down. I reckon that could be all right. You know, that would be quite a nice. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, I would. I would eat badly, and I would. I'm eating badly anyway, but I would eat badly and just watch television. My dad 
is a, a fairly recent widower, and he's all by himself in mm. this uh, in this house that was built to be a family. I'm quite jealous of him <laughs> and his his loneliness. I, f- I phone him up every couple of days, and I'm like, "Oh, what did you do today?" It's like nothing really. Sort of went out in the garden for a bit, and I was like, "Oh, oh, did you? Nice, well done." <laughs> do you know what I've done? I had to build a tent while writing an article on my phone while someone oh were watching a Sonic the Hedgehog fan made video on YouTube. And sometimes you kind of you have to sort of get inventive as a parent and I was, I'm trying to be a better dad and you know because I can't just make him watch telly all the time so the other day I'm like mm. right I'm going to make you the biggest den we've ever done I'm going to turn the whole living room into a den spent ages setting up so you couldn't actually step anywhere and then I looked mm. I was in the kitchen just making him some food and I looked over and he was not sat anywhere it just he was sat basically <laughs> right in front of the telly because that was the only place he could sit that wasn't covered by den <laughs> And so I'd driven him further into the telly. <laughs> I just just made a rod for my own back. Now I've just got to do loads of clearing up yeah. for no reason. Yeah, it's the same. We we have a, like a pop up tent that we all have in the lawn in the afternoons, and gradually it's getting more and more full. And the moment they kind of just reach the point where it would be a genuine pain in the ass to put it all away, that's they've changed their mind and they want to go and just do something else. Yeah. Oh, it's oh yeah. no, absolutely. But the children are great, aren't they? Children are lovely. They are, but I mean, they're like, I often think they're sort of like the embodiment of the god chaos. You know, they're just these insane little tornadoes of energy and and questions, and that's great, but they shouldn't, like a tornado is not not meant to be contained for long periods. Yeah. You know, so I think that's the problem. Yeah, you should, yeah, you, and and just with... My the problem I'm having with mine is that they are they are their only companions now. My two boys, mm. they're the only people that they have to play with, and increasingly, it's becoming apparent that they are not compatible in that at all. <laughs> it's just one of them wants to, oh, if they want even even screen time, even screen time, which is like the laziest, most minimal parenting that you can do. They will fight because one of them wants to watch something and one of them wants to watch something else. Yeah, and it's oh. It's exhausting. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Well, Stuart, I think that's a, a good choice. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that and your family and Alan Sugar and Bing, I mean, oh, it's it's quite the melting pot. It's good. It, I think it's fine. I think Bing, we've got two kids. Bing's a bit like a kid. Alan Sugar's a bit like a dad. I can cordon off part of the island. They can all help each other. <laughs> good. I'll go and lay in a hammock. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, Stuart, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why? Um, uh, the food is uh, Italian food. Really? Uh, specifically, speci- I, no, I like I like pasta, but it's specifically the very sort of stringently adhered to Italian food, where everything has to be the exact same thing from the exact part of the region of Italy. Okay. That drives me bonkers <laughs> the, the, there is a weird thing with Italy where they're incredibly passionate about food but it only if it's exactly the way their grandmother used to make it it has to be yeah it has to be like a completely not 
It can't have moved at all within sort of generations and generations and generations. I remember Nigella Lawson put cream in a spaghetti bolognese or something recently, and she was just crucified for it by people going, no, this is not how we do things in Italy. That's not an Italian accent. <laughs> but people saying, this is not how we do things in Italy. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's funny. So a friend of mine uh, lived in Italy for a few years, and he loves Italian food, but he said that after sort of three years of every time you went to a restaurant having a sort of tomato-based pasta to start, he was going a bit... Because I think mm. I think in this country, we're not as passionate about food, but we maybe have a broader spectrum of, of cuisines, you know. So you might have sort of yeah. a curry one night or a lasagna the other night, and then you might have some, a stew or something. And, you know, that that doesn't happen. He said once he made a, a Thai curry for his workmates, and they were just like... They were like what the fuck is this? Like, I, and he's like, what? We, you know, this is nice. We eat this all the time. And he's like, I can't eat it. It's too spicy. This is crazy. So it's a weird, weird food culture. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's good. And there's, the, the plus side of it is that you, you're preserving a tradition. That's good. Yeah. But at the same time, don't, it, it, it's fucking pasta. Just eat pasta with whatever you've got. Eat it like the whole rest of the world does. And it's pasta and just whatever you've got in a cupboard mixed up together. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I've got the kids feeding kids. They like pasta. But I, so I can hide, I can hide anything in pasta now i've got so good at it i can throw vegetables in there and i'll never know both of my children swear blind that they hate mushrooms and they've eaten mushrooms every day of their life because i am so good at hiding in pasta i could put i I think i could pour like a bottle of cowpaw into a spaghetti bolognese just to make them sleep and that they wouldn't know that's that's the true test of a home chef, I think. Not not being like making sure that your lardons are from a special village and whatever. Yeah, it's a uh, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's such a sort of everyday easy food, but so it's hard for us to imagine it being elevated to that level, isn't it? Yeah, and even even in the lockdown, I saw a uh, uh, Jamie Oliver his new how to cook with no food program, mm-hmm. and it was just he made pasta, and it was just you get some flour, you get some water. You roll it into a ball, you cut it up. There you go. That's pasta. It's the easiest food in the world to make. Stop making a big thing of it. Yeah, yeah. We don't do it. We don't. If like someone gave you some mashed potato and some sausages, and the mashed potato was arranged in a different shape on the plate, you would you'd be all right with that, wouldn't you? You'd yeah. You're a rational person. Yeah, I went to a part of Italy where um, I think traditionally it was a bit poorer. It was in the south, and mm. so. All their pasta, they say they um, they often make it without eggs in because back in the day, hundreds of years ago, it was considered an extravagance. So all their pasta is like kind of a bit mm. dry and sort of sticks to your teeth quite a lot. And you just think, well, eggs aren't really an extravagance in the year 2020 <laughs> for now. Like maybe because it's quite nice when it's not really like sort of glue. Do you want to give it a go? <laughs> no, this is how. No, this is how you do. It. Yeah, no, I get it. That's 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 fine. But yeah, you do wonder. Like maybe it's time to. Yeah, just just learn to evolve slightly. I used to live in South Korea, and there is a uh, special delicacy type of pork, and it's called dongdwejji, and it's made with pigs that sit underneath toilets and basically eat shit. <laughs> like, that doesn't need to be a thing anymore. That doesn't, like, Joe, just just have a normal farm. It's fine. That works now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's um, it's um a weird thing, because I do love Italian food, but I, I sort of am scared of talking about it with any Italians. You know, it's like, I think it's one of those things, there's Italian food that the rest of the world enjoys, and then there's Italian food that Italians like, and it is quite different. Yeah. 
And they get they get so angry about it. My wife used to work for BuzzFeed and she did a listicle about her favourite type of cheeses. Mm. And someone, as a response, uh, read it out on video to their Italian boyfriend who was just going, ah, no, this is the wrong type of cheese. That's, again, that's not an Italian accent. <laughs> but he was just losing his mind because of... He, he, oh, because he, he just... Oh, they have such a... Why? What? All I'm saying now is words. <laughs> block on my brain. It makes me so angry. Okay. Well, Italian food goes on the island. And um, what would your drink choice be? Uh, coffee, easily. Okay. Do you not like coffee? Um. Well, I'm. I am more of a tea drinker. I like. Yes. I I do like tea, but I think I like the idea of coffee more than I like the act. I think. Yeah, me too. I like the idea of coffee. I quite like the smell of coffee. I cannot stand the taste of coffee. And it is it is so awful, I refuse to believe that anybody likes the, the taste of coffee. I think the thing that annoys me about coffee is that it's sort of like cocktails. You pay a bit more for it, and you, so you kind of want it to always be perfect. But it's like if you're really hungover and get a Bloody Mary and it's just not very nice, but you've spent nine quid on it, it's really <laughs> annoying. And it's the same with coffee sometimes. You, can, you, you go in a shop, the guy's got a long beard, there's a bicycle on the wall, you think, this is <laughs> going to be nice, I've spent £3.50 on it, and you get it and it's like, oh, this is a bit bitter and horrible. Why is, you know, and then I can't get another one now and now I've just got to... <laughs> And I've just got to drink this bitter thing. Whereas tea, even if it's not that great, it's still kind of warm it's still and comforting. Tea. It's, yeah. I, I, I've tried every type of, like, every option of coffee that they have in coffee shops. They all taste bad. I don't... <laughs> I think, again, this is a thing I argue with my wife about a lot because she claims to like coffee. And I'm convinced it's just an affectation. Someone years ago said coffee's a nice thing and everyone bought into it no one enjoys it but they're they're stuck in this trap of they said they liked it once because it was cool and now they're they can't back up they can't back down from it yeah and i i, I don't there's too much culture around it and it's, it's like mm. the sort of like it's you know this the hipster scene about you know it's just it's just a drink lads come on can we just have a hot beverage it feels like there's a, a whole rigmarole to it like you've got to know what you want you've got to know if it's good or bad you've got to know the type of beans and i just sort of you know sometimes you just want to ask for a coffee and just say can i have a coffee and they go what kind you like, i don't know just what's the normal th-? you know like with tea you can say <laughs> i want a tea yeah sometimes they'll ask you about varieties but essentially you go normal tea you know tea and they go Oh, yeah, okay. With coffee, you can't just say coffee. I I think the thing about coffee is, as well, uh, you need stuff for it. And I think that's what people like. They like having stuff. They like having an expensive machine. But there's none of that with tea. You just need a kettle and a mug and a bag, and that's it. And sugar and milk if you're a bit of a, you know, if you want to be ostentatious. Yeah, I feel like tea is a very, it's a sort of, it's a leveller. It's an everyman, whereas whereas coffee feels the opposite. It's more of an elitist thing where, you know, knowledge is required and you have to kind of know your stuff a lot more and, and prove your worth. Yeah, which is normally, weirdly, that's the sort of thing I love. I love flaunting superiority over other people. I love it. But I can't, for some reason, coffee leaves me cold. I, I, I just can't understand. I can't understand the appeal of something. And well, another thing I hate is that um, it's so prevalent that people will just make you a cup of coffee sometimes. And I sometimes I get embarrassed to say, no, I don't like coffee. So I'll just have to sit there with a cold cup of coffee. Once, quite recently, someone did it at, uh, at the office where I work. And I had to, I 
pre- I even pretended to drink it. I clamped my lips shut and I put it to my mouth <laughs> and I just let it sort of splash against the front of my face and I went, mm, good coffee, and put it back down again. That I shouldn't have to behave like that. It's one of those things, isn't it, that can really make you feel like a child when you're a grown-up. You kind of think, when I'm a grown-up, I like coffee... I'll understand all the small print at the end of insurance adverts, <laughs> things like that. But you get to this point and you've got children, you think, no, nah, no, it's not happening. Oh, well, uh, am I a child? What's going on? Yeah, it does. You do feel like, no, I don't like that. That isn't, I, yeah, that, that's not what adults should do. Adults should be able to just eat and drink everything yeah. and put up with it because that's what it is to be an adult. But I, for some reason, it's my one It's my one holdout. But the biggest problem I have with my kids is when you make them dinner and they go, no, I don't like rice. And you're like, well, just fuck, eat it or you'll die. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's a, how I am a bit with coffee. I should just be able to put up with it and drink it and, you know, get on with it. But I can't, I can't. It tastes so horrible. I don't know what it is with coffee as well, where you have to sort of... People need it so much that they have to carry it with them on public transport and things like that. Yeah. You know, whereas other drinks you're okay with, but, but coffee has to be in a cup on the move. And I don't know how people have done it because I've tried to do that once or twice when I was sort of trying to get into coffee and it's just I could never not make a mess I was spilling it on my bag and other people <laughs> and and then you try and drink it and it's hot forever forever um, yeah you know and you burn your lips but you can't show anyone because you're on a commuting train <laughs> it's just a minefield it's it's, it's all part of it's, it's the lie the lie of coffee someone's Someone wrote once on a mug, you know, I can't live without my coffee, and people believed it, and now we're all stuck in this thing. Yeah. Where people have to have this horrible, too hot, impractical, expensive drink for just <laughs> no purpose whatsoever. I agree completely. And uh, and also, if that's your only drink on the island as well, I mean, that's going to be awful. Be a nightmare as well, yeah. I'd dehydrate very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I would still take my chances with the seawater, though, probably. Yeah, I mean, it would at least be a counterpoint to the bitterness of the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe they work really well together. Maybe that's why I don't like coffee, because I don't drink salt water. Yeah, I mean, well, we have salted caramel, so maybe salted coffee is the next thing. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they're due a next, a next gimmick, aren't they? Because there's a cold brew coffee, which is, as far as I can tell, cold mm. coffee. But it's special because it comes in a medicine bottle. Um, so they're due another remix, I think, at some point. Yeah, salty coffee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, Stuart, fortunately, you won't be without entertainment on the island. The plane's entertainment system continues to work, but just your luck, it only has two working settings. One is your least favourite film of all time, and the other is your least favourite song. What are they and why? Uh, I'll start with the film. It's Bambi. Okay. Which I hated as a kid. And now we've got Disney Plus. I watched it this weekend. Turns out I still hate it. It doesn't have a story to it whatsoever. The first 15 minutes of it are just a, a deer just being a deer, just walking around being a deer. In throughout the seasons, it's get like there's the the it, there's a deer. He's born, and then it's autumn, and the deer is just slightly older, and then it's summer, and then it's winter, and he skids about on some ice. But nothing happens in Bambi. <laughs> And isn't it? I mean, I don't. I think I might have seen it, but when I was very young and haven't rewatched it because everyone just tells me how sad it is. Isn't isn't there quite a sad bit as well? There is. Well, that's this is what I thought when I revisited it because his mum gets shot. Bambi's mum gets shot by a hunter, hmm. and I was really bracing myself, like, and the kids being like, "Okay, now this is going to be a sad bit, but it's all right because it's just a cartoon." And Bambi's mum gets shot off screen. Bambi is sad for 
45 seconds tops and then he goes away and the next thing we see him he's a grown up and he's fine right yeah it's i mean it's weird that they even considered putting that in because what are they i mean it come from america which has a very big hunting culture so is the message don't hunt deer or or maybe spare a thought for 30 seconds about the child of the deer that you killed but it's not really a big deal so actually carry on hunting yeah it's, it's, you know what are they trying to say it's i think i think it's anti-hunting because the deers say men men are bad but of course they would because they they kill all the deers it's it's really odd and this is i remember going to see it with, as, with my mum when i was a kid and there's a bit where suddenly it leaps ahead a few years or one year or something but he's got he comes back and he's got antlers and he's a he's a grown-up deer and I remember as soon as that happened, being a kid, being like, oh, this is a different, oh, this is an entirely different cast of characters. I don't care about them anymore. And I, exactly the same thing happened um, watching it with my kids. As soon as he c- turned up with antlers, the kids just walked away. Yeah, it's weird that, isn't it? Because I suppose, you know, kids always relate to the sort of younger characters and things. So, yeah, why would you make it a grown up? Yeah. If you applied that to other characters like Bing, I mean, God knows what Bing's going to be like when he grows up. They should do with Bing. They should do the thing. Do, uh, did you ever watch Adventure Time, the cartoon Adventure Time? Uh, it rings a bell. I'm not sure if I have. It's really, it's really good. It's an American series, but the the brilliant thing they did. It lasted a bunch of years, but as opposed to every other cartoon, every year they kept the same voice artist, so the character got slightly older. Okay. So year by year, his like his limbs got longer and his voice got deeper. They should do that with Bing completely they should, i want to watch puberty bing <laughs> when he's suddenly rebelling against flop for being so easy on him and now he's kind of an anarchist <laughs> and has no no morals <laughs> yeah yeah sorry we're back on bing sorry that's my fault i shouldn't do that i hate bing so <laughs> but yeah bambi feels it's i think it feels like maybe cartoons have moved on a bit since then yeah completely it feels like it's a bit like the lion king but the lion king they tried to make the story so there's a there's a royal baby born and then something happens to one of its parents and then like that's the point where the films diverge with Bambi the, the deer just gets over it very quickly but with the the lion he has to go back and fight the person who killed his dad and it's a, just a much better film Bambi is just feels like they kind of they wanted something to break up just footage of the birds flying around and the leaves falling off the trees so they killed his mum. <laughs> I wonder if that's uh, just because they picked a grazing animal and that's just part of a grazing animal's life is that, you know, your relatives are going to get killed. Whereas with the lion, it's like your relatives are going to get killed in some kind of quite deep power struggle and you're going to have to fight to regain the crown or the throne. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's, that's where they diverge. Whereas, you know, you're like, well, mum's dead, but, you know... It yeah, goes with the territory since I'm a I eat deer, grass. It doesn't matter that much. Yeah, it's not part of a wider narrative <laughs> about familial power struggles. <laughs> yeah, it's just oh god, and it's not even a long film. It's, I think it's maybe an, one hour and ten minutes long. Mm. It barely even counts as a film, but it's tedious. <laughs> it does sound it. The opening, the opening shot is just a tracking shot through the forest, and I swear to God, it lasts for five minutes of just trees. There is a different pace to these older films, isn't there? I mean, it's it's kind of... It's strange when you kind of... I don't know, like, kids' brains surely aren't that different today, but they definitely get fed different images, don't they? Yeah. And I think people... Back then, it was made in the 40s, people were just still amazed by animation as a as a concept. Like, moving pictures, this is amazing. I will literally watch any old boring shit that you can give me. 
<laughs> yeah, of course. Now you've got to have kind of subplots and different different themes. And I mean, I I tried to watch Inside Out with my son the other day, and I thought this is this is aimed for much older children than you. And he's like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "Well, these are the feelings of the child. What's feelings?" I'm like, uh, uh, "Do you want to watch? Uh, do you want to watch Hey Dougie instead?" <laughs> Yeah, the, we, there's there's that Pixar film uh, Coco that is about how mm. like the spirits of the dead will always walk with you, and I'm like, you're two. My youngest is two. There is not a chance. Maybe when you're 15, yeah, I'll sit down and watch th- that cartoon with you. Yeah. So maybe maybe Bambi isn't that bad. Maybe that's just what kids want to watch is just woodland animals doing nothing. But unfortunately, it's what you have to watch on the island for for as long as you survive. So I think it's probably Fine. quite a good choice in terms of being with something unbearable on this island. <laughs> Thanks very much. And uh, what would be your song? Um, it's Imagine by John Lennon by Gal Gadot and her Hollywood friends. Oh, good choice and very timely as well. Yeah, it's it's just everything I don't I've never liked the song I've always disliked Imagine mm. uh, just for sort of the schmaltzy sort of insincerity of it but performed by bored film actors who don't have anything to do and just want to make some sort of Gal Gadot started the video by saying I've been in my house for a while now and I'm feeling very philosophical that's no don't inflict that shit on me just because you're feeling philosophical. Yeah, and also if you sort of say, "Oh, I'm feeling really philosophical," so I've I've been singing "Imagine" by John Lennon. That's that <laughs> that's someone who wants to be philosophical. It's someone who doesn't really understand the nature of thought and philosophy, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Read a book, Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's like someone going, oh, yeah, you know, I like to think really deeply. Sometimes I just think about, like, trees and what they are. <laughs> like, no, you just you just want me to think that you're a deep thinker, don't you? That's that's, yeah. that's what this is. So I, I watched it. So for anyone who, who isn't familiar with this, she's on lockdown and she was bored. So she started a sort of a... She started singing Imagine in her kitchen or whatever. And then it's sort of interspersed with other very famous people all singing imagine yeah at different paces in different keys wildly different um uh musical ability yeah but they all um i mean the self-belief level in in this video is very high isn't it oh god oh god it's yeah it's it this is like the worst the worst thing that could ever happen to a celebrity is for their um charisma to be over sort of destroyed by a worldwide virus and now all of a sudden people are slightly less interested in them so they're just doing whatever they can to stay sort of in the public mind even though none of them can sing not even not even the professional singer Sia is in it she sings for a living and it sounds like she's drowning a cat in a bath when in her line (laughs) and you're right it's something as well about about that song it had to be that song which is so sort of schmaltzy and kind of I don't know, it's that go-to kind of emotional song, isn't it? Where, like, oh, no, something bad's happened on TV and they need to do a montage, or oh, let's put it to imagine, because yeah. we can't think of anything else. It's it's it's, it's, a, it's a, a lazy choice. Yeah. Because it's, it's yeah, I can't, I mean, just lyrically, it's it's very insipid. It's just, it, Wouldn't it be nice if things are nice is basically the, the point of it. Yeah, I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm just going to say, wouldn't it be nice? By the way, yeah. I'm a lot richer than you. Yeah. 
We are we as we're locked up in this gigantic house with our infinite funds. Let's try and imagine people being nice to each other. Yeah, it's that sort of thing, isn't it? Of like, uh, yeah, celebrities going, oh, isn't it difficult? It's six days. Come on, it's not that bad. It's all right. I mean, you you know, if nothing else, like they've got a huge house compared to me. So, however yeah. well-meaning they are, they've still got a lot more space to be bored in, and mm. that makes a lot of difference. Huge, yeah. I even like the Backstreet Boys did a similar thing. They all sang "I Want It That Way" during like with video conferencing technology. And but they've got gigantic swimming pools. They've got more rooms. One of them seemed to be in a different room every time he, the camera cut back to him. <laughs> and meanwhile, I mean, I'm quite lucky because I've got a garden. At least I can sort of go outside. Yeah. But uh, lots of people don't, and they're just literally trapped in a flat. Yeah. It's and and I think the fact that it's to all these different celebrities as well, it feels like a kind of what I imagine an end of year party at a drama school would be like. <laughs> you know, like all these people who aren't singers but of course they can sing. I mean, you know, I love I love to sing and then yeah, it's just it's so awkward. Yeah. Yeah. They they're putting they 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 have to mean something and so they're putting it into this song. It reminds me a bit of the... Uh, do you remember in 1997, the BBC Perfect Day advert? I was just about to say that exact thing. Well, <laughs> it's, it's the modern day version, isn't it? It's Because that's ruined. That ruined Perfect Day for me. Because now I hear, like, the woman from M People. <laughs> and... <laughs> it's always Heather Smalls. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, um, Tom Jones. Uh, and just all singing different versions of the same song smashed up together in a horrible way. And it's like that, but less because they're not singers. They're just Mark Ruffalo and Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, it's it's terrible, isn't it? And I think, uh, particularly as for a British audience, where we're not we're not always great with that sort of level of sincerity, it's uh, it's particularly cloying and, and difficult to stomach, isn't it? I can't imagine if they did if they did a British version of that and they had like. Dame Judy Dench singing it to Kira Knightley. Imagine. Oh man, that would be so bad, so bad. I mean, it's pretty bad already. I think, but I think, I think, I don't think this is an exaggeration. I think it's the worst thing about the coronavirus. That video. I think you're. I think you're. Yeah, you're not far off there. I, I would go with that. Yeah. I mean. Good. Okay. I. I don't. I couldn't. I couldn't make it all the way through. Maybe I'm going to give it another go and just and just check. But I don't think I can bring myself to it. I. I did, and it just it. It starts to be people like Will Ferrell. You would have thought that Will Ferrell would have politely declined. But when he turns up, you're like, oh, oh not you too. Mm. And it's made me sort of question myself. If Gal Gadot sent me an email and said, hi, it's me, Gal Gadot. Would you sing one line of a song into your phone for me? I don't know if I have the, the sort of the moral fortitude to say no to that. I wouldn't want to upset her. But it's not even for charity or anything, is it? Like, at least, wasn't that BBC thing, wasn't it? There wasn't the perfect day thing for comic relief or something. I think so, yeah. I mean, this, is, this isn't this is for anything. I mean, at least if you like, at the end, you go, <laughs> you know, buy the single and, and feed some children somewhere. But it's not that, it's just people showing off. Yeah. 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 In a, in a, it's the fake profundity of it that I, I that really grates. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on this. Dicks. Now, Stuart, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? Hippopotamus. 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 Okay. Uh, Because it is legitimately a dick of an animal. It's it's much angrier. So, like, you think of a hippopotamus, you think maybe a cute thing, maybe a heffalump, maybe um, a moomin or something. 
But they mm. uh, are responsible for more deaths worldwide than tigers and lions. Yeah, I've heard this. That they're incredibly dangerous, aren't they? Yeah, they're angry. They're short-sighted. They've got giant mouths. Just fuck them. <laughs> they don't even eat meat. They just they kill for fun. They're herbivores. They're like the predator. Yeah, they're very weird because they don't look like... I mean, they're basically like pigs, but with the jaws of a lion or something. They're very... <laughs> I don't know how they got put together. They're just... Yeah, there's... It, well, they are the, the most closely... The animal they're most closely related to are whales. They shouldn't even be alive. Really? That's... I mean, yeah. how did that happen? Because you don't get... I, I can't even begin to do the, the maths on that one. Maybe that's why they're so furious. It explains why they've got bad eyesight, because they, they, they must be just clomping around trying to rely on sonar. <laughs> Searching desperately for krill in a swamp. Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And, that, and they, they, they just <laughs> murder people by in, in floods. Yeah, terrible. I've, I've heard as well that apparently, because they, they spend their life in water, yeah. apparently they can't even swim. What they do when they're underwater, they're just walking around under there. <laughs> What an idiot animal. Yeah. Badly designed, in the wrong place, kills for fun. Silly name. Yeah, stupid name. That's the only reason people like hippopotamuses is because hippopotamus is fun to say. If they were called what they should be called, which is dry land death whale then no one would no one would enjoy it whatsoever they've um i think they've they've been given a, a very cuddly image haven't they over the years in cartoons and things like that. Yeah. It annoys me. They, I mean, bears, they, they did the same thing with bears. Bears are fucking cunts. Bears just go around killing people. Bears are the worst. But because uh, uh, Theodore Roosevelt chose not to kill one once, they turned them into toys, and that's how we've got teddy bears. Yeah. We shouldn't have teddy bear toys. We should have toys of nice animals. Like, um... Uh, <laughs> I can't think of any nice animals. Dogs. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? When you delve down into it, you know, we're all just bastards, I think. All, all, all of nature, you know. What are you going to be left with, like, a chicken or something? And then you're going to find out that they they do something horrendous and, and, and that's it. I'm sure they do. <laughs> I'm sure they do. I, like, I remember reading uh, about dolphins and how prevalent rape is for dolphins. That's, I mean, that's ruined dolphins. Really. <laughs> we, need, we need Attenborough to start doing a proper expose on these things. We <laughs> do. <laughs> like the cook report if you just go up to yeah. lines like, why did you do that why do you eat so many people you like to be seen as a fluffy cuddly animal but that's not what I've heard what have you got to say about it don't walk away from me don't walk away from me <laughs> yeah I think and, and hippos as well I mean even if they were weren't even if they weren't violent they're still going to take up a lot of space on the island so yeah you know that's going to be annoying. No, uh, completely annoying. Uh, he might eat Bing, though. He. I've already assigned it a gender. The hippopotamus. Oh, yeah. Bing. Well, that would be fun. That would be fun. Okay, well, maybe, I think it's a very good choice anyway. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, well, Stuart, thank you so much for joining me uh, on Desert Island Dicks today. And um, obviously, you know, it's strange times uh, at the minute, but where, where can people hear or see or read more from you? Um, uh, uh, um, I'm The Guardian. I write for The Guardian. Um, I'm on Twitter at Stu Heritage. That's about it. You can walk past my house and leave me some flour. That would be nice. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Stuart, thank you very much again for coming in and I hope uh, the rest of your lockdown is as bearable as possible. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really nice. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. Bye. <laughs>